Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so do enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. As always, a lot to discuss uh, tonight. Of course, uh, your phone calls are primary. Uh, this just in, a few moments before the show, I guess, or at least uh, this afternoon, breaking news that involved one of our listeners. Involves one of our listeners. His name is Bradley Jardis, and uh, he is a New Hampshire police officer. In fact, he's a member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. I think both of you might have had the opportunity to meet Brad. I'm not positive. I don't, I don't believe I did. I know for sure you have, Mark. You yes, know, I Brad. did. And uh, he's a great guy. He's a very nice gentleman, and he happens to be a supporter of Free Talk Live, a listener of the show. And apparently he showed up recently at a little John McCain shindig on behalf of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Now, as you may know, the Send the Right Message organization, which I believe is send the right mes- yeah, SendTheRightMessage.com, it's a New Hampshire-based uh, legaliz- sort of a legalization promotional organization i don't know really how to define what they what they're out there for uh but essentially what they've been doing is they've been going to the different presidential candidate forums where you know fill in the blank presidential candidate will show up and take questions from the audience and they'll show up there with video cameras and sort of bird dog the candidate is what it's called so mm-hmm. you basically you, you put your people in the audience and when it comes to uh, question and answer time you have your people raise their hands and then one of them hopefully will get picked on and have the chance the opportunity to ask a question in regards to drug policy and so they've been cornering the uh, the candidates with questions about for instance re-legalizing marijuana or medicinal marijuana and that sort of thing and, and actually catching their responses on videotape so far the uh so far it's been a pretty interesting little process and I think you guys over at Free Minds TV Nick on your your television show you've been a part of some of this right uh, we have um Toby actually asked John Edwards uh Toby's my co-host on Free Minds TV um asked John Edwards what his position well specifically what he asked was do you see a correlation between what happened with uh alcohol prohibition and what's happening with marijuana prohibition here today um, he, John Edwards asked that the question be rephrased. Apparently, that wasn't one of the questions that was in his repertoire of mm-hmm. having, um, you know, post-it answers for. Right. Uh, and he basically rephrased the question and then answered it about medical marijuana. I see. And his position was that he wouldn't use the federal government to, uh, to intervene in, uh, in states where medical marijuana is legal. But he really didn't answer the actual question right. either. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the answers from these candidates have been. Well, lacking, except for of course Ron Paul, maybe Mike Gravel yep. as well. Well, on we, that. we we got Ron Paul too, and his answer was the best by far. Right. So so here's what happened uh, the other night at the little John McCain uh, get together. According to HuffingtonPost.com, uh, apparently, yeah, Matt Simon, who is the man in charge of SendTheRightMessage.com, also a Free State Project member. Interestingly enough, an early mover. Uh, This is him writing about it. He said, John McCain does a lot of town hall meetings, and he's usually quite pleased to get questions from law enforcement officers, firefighters, and military personnel. Sunday evening at Franklin Pierce College in Ringe, New Hampshire, that's around here, isn't it? Yep. Uh, May have provided an exception. It would be an understatement to observe this was not the usual question. Bradley apparently stood up and asked John McCain the following, quote, I've served here in my state as a law enforcement officer for going on nine years now, and After nine years working in the street, I've come to the conclusion that the war on drugs is a terrible failure. I've seen firsthand that the war on drugs 
uh, is that the war on drugs causes crime and causes children to have access to drugs easier, and it does nothing to curb the problem of drug abuse. Just like alcohol prohibition after the 18th Amendment passed, the country wised up and we passed the 21st Amendment, which curbed the violence problem in this country greatly. What is it going to take for powerful politicians such as yourself to realize that the war on drugs is a failure and that we need to, we need to get smart about drugs, not tough? We need to be smart. McCain responded, Thank you, sir. It's going to take a lot before I adopt your viewpoint. <laughs> this drew some laughs and scattered applause from the crowd, but it was only the beginning of a three-minute answer. McCain rested the first part of his rationale for the war on drugs on the pharmacological differences between alcohol and drugs, as though he knows a damn thing about pharmacology and the differences between alcohol and other drugs. Right, and this is what, uh, you know, largely the war on drugs is a war on marijuana. Um, mm-hmm. You know, certainly there are some harder drugs out there that I would I would prefer to see a member of my family addicted to alcohol than I would, uh, say, heroin or methamphetamines. Sure. Um, if if I were to get a choice like that, and I won't have it, but uh, if you're looking, at, but if that person's going to be a chronic user of marijuana versus a chronic user of alcohol, I'd prefer them to be a chronic user of marijuana. Absolutely. Well, John McCain claimed that most experts agree alcohol is fundamentally different, and that only alcohol can be moderately consumed. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, he <laughs> says most experts agree with that. It, that makes it makes no sense. Yeah. Well, he's he's just pulling it out of his butt. Now, um, it's nonsense. I've I've used cocaine in my life, and I'll you know I then I've decided I don't want to use it for months at a time after mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, it was you like mean a, you didn't snort pile after pile every single night of your life. For some reason, I just decided I wanted to do it at a party because it was available, and mm-hmm. then then I didn't go on with that. Um, I in fact am such a uh, marijuana addict that I'm smoking a joint right now as we're on the air. It, you're not allowed to. Uh, it, the rules are on this show <laughs> that no one is allowed to use any mind-altering substances during the day before the show. So you're full of crap, is what you are. Well, just outrageous. Just such lies. I mean, most marijuana smokers and marijuana consumers are individuals who use it on a responsible basis. They're people that get home from work after a day of work, and, and instead of cracking open a beer and sitting down on the couch, they roll up a joint and sit down on the couch. I mean, the, to suggest that only alcohol can be moderately consumed is the most, just the most absurd statement I've ever heard about marijuana. Right. I mean, I... I mean, besides the thing that the the allegation that it makes you grow breasts if you're a man, and that's pretty absurd too. I don't. Uh, it's right up there. I, I don't use marijuana because uh, that's sort of the deal that I have with my wife about mm-hmm. uh, getting married. You know, it's it's monogamy and no use and no pot. But um, <laughs> it, I, when I did use marijuana in the in the past, and, and you you were around for this, yep. I generally would uh, only. Take a puff or two because I only I know, used it I, moderately. I kept trying to convince you to take more, and you wouldn't I don't do like it. Being really stoned, <laughs> it only takes like one or two for you, and you're good to go. Right? right. Well, like I, I just, you know, just a little bit. It's been, you know, quite some time yeah. now. But the senator did say he would uh, support a small increment of reform, saying, "I will agree with you to this extent that too often we put first-time drug users in prison." He said. He was quickly interrupted by applause from a smattering of college students. This, by the way, the same college that uh, just a matter of less than two months ago had, uh, I guess, wasn't their rooms were ransacked or something like that? Yeah, I, I, I think a cleaning, uh, an employee of the college who was uh, cleaned the place found like a, a grinder for the pot and I think maybe some pot as well. Mm-hmm. And then they told the cops and the cops came and... 
kicked everybody out. And right, didn't the they actually kick the kids from oh, that yeah, apartment every, out into every, the cold? I think it was a dorm. Yeah, I think they kicked everyone out for a few hours while they went through. And this uh, apparently drew a smile and joke from McCain, who then went on to say he supports a program in Arizona that gives first-time offenders a treatment option. Uh, McCain said such a program should be implemented nationally. <laughs> That's really an option, by the way. By the way, this is the most this guy has ever said on uh, the war on drugs. Normally, it's just sort of a blow-off situation. If it were if it were just you or me, Nick, going in there and asking this question, that it would have been sort of shut down and blown off. But because Brad is a police officer, he got a little bit more attention. Is Brad actively on the force? He is, which is oh, yeah. which makes him very unusual amongst the law enforcement against prohibition. And members. he's also in his town. Uh, you know, I mean, this is something that he can claim. Um, he's the number one uh, guy as far as catching people with, uh, you know, busting drugs um, on his force. So he's doing his job. I can't say that I necessarily I don't agree with him on that the, one. The but... greatest thing in the world, but it gives him validity. Yeah, it gives him the ability to say, you know, I'm the I'm the top drug cop, and I say this is crazy. Right, and which right it, that that has a lot of strength and value to it. McCain cited policy experts uh, from Europe, which he said were, a, or spot policy experiments rather, which he said were a failure. And he said the U.S. should work with Mexico to do continuing battle with drug cartels, saying, "I'll do whatever I can to help you combat these drug dealers, these terrible people who prey on America." Did George Bush come into this meeting? They all sound the same to me. <laughs> the New Hampshire police officer questioning McCain was Bradley Jardis, a speaker with the organization Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, and he wasn't done with what he had to say to McCain. We'll uh, share the rest of their conversation with you here in moments. 800-259-9231. Are drug dealers really preying on America? Are all the people that are buying the drugs just little slaves of the drug dealers or something? Oh, wait, they're choosing to buy them. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features for free. The bulletin board system, over 300,000 posts. Serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. And you can try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. Now, normally on Free Talk Live, we don't, I don't talk about politicians. I don't like dropping names. I can't stand that kind of talk radio. But when a politician gets... Uh, I don't know, caught in a little trap. I always find that interesting. That's what happened here in New Hampshire, a matter of, uh, I think it was Sunday night, in fact, at Franklin Pierce College, when John McCain was speaking, doing one of the little candidate appearances where they schmooze and then they take questions. And uh, usually when someone asks a question about medical marijuana, they get blown off. Uh, for instance, Julia was telling us about the uh, the video you guys played it for, on Freeminds TV, which you can see at freemindstv.com. I think it was the, the most recent episode of so. of uh, Mitt Romney yep. being a total jackball to uh, this crippled man in a wheelchair. What did he have? Multiple sclerosis or something else? Something I, else, I think. Uh, something awful. Might have been muscular dystrophy. Mus- yeah, I think that was it. Muscular dystrophy. Yeah. He was wheelchair bound, and he'd come in to, uh, to talk to... Mitt Romney at this appearance and uh, about marijuana, and there was a cameraman there, so everything was caught on video. And, you know, he basically said, are you going to have me arrested for using my medicine? And Romney walked 
passed away. P- basically, uh, he blew yeah. him off, and you know he said that well, you know, I support uh, you can use uh, legitimate medicines if you want to, uh, if you want to get uh, get better, blah blah blah. And then he started turning away from the guy, and he, and he asked him a question, you know. He asked him again, "Are you? Will you arrest me if I use my medicine?" And you know, Mitt Romney just ignored the guy, and the cameraman badgered Romney and said, "Hey, aren't you going to ask his answer his question?" And Romney said, "I did speak to the man," and and turned away and just walked off. And just that, it's that attitude is that's the attitude that we typically see, especially from the Republican side, but also on the Democrat side as well. I mean, the, some of the more uh, bigger named Democratic candidates couldn't really be bothered to, I don't think, say very much. In regards to the war on drugs, or specifically uh, marijuana prohibition, I think that uh, John McCain came off a hell of a lot better than uh, in this particular instance. Only because it was a cop, and that's my point here: is that if it hadn't been a New Hampshire police officer, Brad Jardis, one of the members of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, asking the question and making making some very good points, as you'll hear in a moment here, about the war on drugs from his position of expertise. If it hadn't been Brad Jardis and had been one of us. He would have blown us off just like he's blown off other people. Because this isn't the first time that McCain has been asked a drug war question. It's just the first time he's been asked uh, been asked a drug war question from a cop. It's going to be rare that uh, you see that happen. And so you can't have, I mean, a politician wouldn't be caught dead disrespecting one of their own, right? One of their enforcers, mm-hmm. essentially. So he's got to treat Brad with some level of, of, of a much larger modicum of respect than he would any of us little people. And so to that end, uh, we will continue the conversation here. This is from HuffingtonPost.com. Matt Simon, uh, the man behind SendTheRightMessage.com, is uh, giving us the story. So there was a, a bit of back and forth between Brad Jardis and uh, John McCain. And John McCain said that he thought that there were too many first-time drug offenders in prison, that he supported a uh, treatment option as opposed to putting those people in jail, which is, again, a position that he's never necessarily spoke about until... Brad Jardis confronted him. Mm. And continuing the story here, again, Jardis is a member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, one of the few active members uh, in police. He's actually a current cop and in Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Many of the members of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition never, um, they never said anything about the war on drugs or came out against the war on drugs while they were on the force. And then when they retired, they joined LEAP. So Brad is very, very unusual in that he's joined LEAP and he's still an active cop. Anyway, he rocked the boat earlier this year when he testified in favor of ending marijuana prohibition before New Hampshire legislators. You and I were there to uh, to see that happen, mm-hmm. Mark. He says he enforces the laws because it's his job to do so, but he feels it's his duty as a citizen to speak out against a policy which he says needlessly destroyed uh, destroys lives. McCain then directed a question at Jardis, continuing the exchange, saying, I just want to ask one other thing. Do you think methamphetamine ought to be legal? Jardis says, I think what we need to look at is the drug policy. McCain says, yeah, but you know, it's one thing to talk about policy, it's another thing to talk about specifics. And with all due respect, do you think methamphetamine ought to be made legal? Jardis responded, I don't think that if someone gets caught with methamphetamine, we should be putting them in prison, period. We should be helping them. We should help, we should help people who are addicted to drugs, not spend $69 billion a year to put people in jail. If you arrest somebody, it doesn't solve the problem. You just said that there are drug cartels. There would not... Uh, there would not be drug cartels if we were to regulate drugs. In Switzerland, they have public heroin clinics where people can go and get help with clean needles to come off drugs. There's no doubt that drugs are dangerous, but our policy doesn't do anything to help people who are addicted. If you arrest a 16-year-old for possession of marijuana and they get a criminal conviction, you can get over an addiction, but you can never get over a conviction. 
They lose their funding to go to college, and no one could ever say that keeping a kid from going to college accomplishes something good. Not at all. And so McCain then interrupts uh, Brad to continue to schmooze on. Well, um, he said that he didn't answer the question, and I think that that's just not true. It sounds to me like he absolutely did qu- ask the question. The question was, should uh, methamphetamine be illegal? And Bradley said that nobody should go to prison for it. That's close enough to an answer as far as I'm concerned. It's a better answer than any other po- any politician would give, I can tell you that. Well, what McCain said was, thank you very much. I'm sorry you didn't have a position on methamphetamine, but I do agree with he you. He has a position. The position is that nobody should go to prison for possession. I do agree with you strongly. As I said, we have this program in Arizona that I'd like to see adopted nationwide, that first-time offenders are given an opportunity to rehabilitate themselves and have a clean record. I thank you for your service and appreciate the discussion, and I look forward to continuing this dialogue, because I in no way do I in any way mean to diminish the magnitude of this problem and the terrible tragedies it inflicts on America every single day. Thank you, and thank you for your service. At the event's conclusion, Jardis approached McCain, shook his hand, and handed him a Law Enforcement Against Prohibition DVD to watch. So, we'll sure see. sure he's uh, working on that. Yeah. Uh, and, the you know, certainly McCain's, uh, McCain's proposal, I guess it sounds radical for a Republican to say, well, you know, we shouldn't be putting these guys in jail. But forcing treatment isn't a better, really that much of a better situation. Uh, you know, essentially what what you're doing is you're taking uh, you're taking one situation where people are being put in a prison cell and you're taking them and forcing them into a treatment center instead. You're, you know, you're still using force on these people. And if somebody doesn't want to get treatment, then forcing them into treatment isn't going to solve their problems. Right. They had drug treatment when I, when I was in prison. Um, you know, it's absolutely they have it inside. So I don't what when does drug treatment become incarceration. If uh, I get caught with methamphetamine one time, they put me in a 21-day uh, treatment program. I come out. I um, The first thing I do is go find me a, what do they call methamphetamine? A crank? Yeah, uh, crank, yeah. Ice? Uh, ice is... I go find me a little vial of this stuff, um, and within a week, I've got myself arrested again. I go in for a 30-day treatment program. Pretty soon, I'm up to six months. Pretty soon, I'm up to two years. I mean, it's <laughs> when does yep. it become prison? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Well, according to McCain, it's on your second offense, so you get one chance, and then you go into a prison cell. Can we please stop the insanity and stop arresting our friends and family and neighbors for just trying to, I don't know, feel a little differently? More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just three dollars a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site for free. The Shrine of Female listeners, including the dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show, head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. Shrine.freetalklive.com. And sound money is under attack. 
The Liberty Dollar had its offices raided and all of its precious metal seized last week. On Wednesday, to find out more, go to libertydollar.org and sign up for their updates. To help, get a paper Liberty Dollar and sign up for the class action suit, also at libertydollar.org. Don't let the federal government shut down this important alternative in currency. Once again, libertydollar.org. Nick, I believe you have recently acquired a piece of Liberty Dollar uh, paper certificate. I did, just tonight, and I've signed up for the class action lawsuit already. Fantastic. You were looking at a a PDF file a moment ago, and I have the same one in front of me. Essentially, the FBI's uh, documentation has been, I I don't know if it was leaked to the Internet or, or how this got out, I think I've heard it was leaked, and it's like a 38-page document that essentially, I guess, outlines their case against Norfed, right? Um, well, or yeah, Nor- but I, I thought the uh, it's a search and seizure warrant, and it names their pro- what they claim to be probable cause and mm-hmm. what laws they say Norfed has broken. But as I understood it, um, they had to present someone at Norfed or with the uh, actual warrant. I see. A copy of it. Cause it you, so it's you not have, leaked, necessarily. Uh, not leaked, necessarily. I think Norfed just might have scanned in their copy and put it up on the internet. Mm-hmm. As I understand it, you're supposed to be able to read the actual warrant. I don't know if you keep a hard copy or not. but This seems like more than just a warrant, because the warrant they had was just a few pages long. This one is 38 pages long. Are we looking at the same thing? Uh, we may not be. Okay. Well, there's something here, and I've been told that it even has Bernard von Nothaus's, uh social security number listed in it, so it would, I, it would shock me if it were to be the Liberty Dollar people that had released this. I, I get the feeling this came from somewhere else. Uh, nonetheless, I've yet to have a chance to really go through it. But from what I understand, uh, you know, they're they're alleging uh, money laundering. They're alleging essentially that the Norfed currency, the Liberty Dollar currency, is supposed to uh, look like the Federal Reserve currency, and therefore counterfeiting possibly allegations. This is just my initial. Uh, my initial sense. I think that's, from yeah, that's what I read too. I think some people could be thing. confused, maybe by a, you've got to be kidding me. A There's a website and a phone number on the Liberty Dollar pieces. I understand what you're saying. I think some people <laughs> could be confused, by, but um, I don't. Yeah, see maybe why. if they didn't look at but it. I don't. What's the issue with it? Because it's not. It says twenty dollars. If it whatever the denomination is, Nor- Norfed will redeem it for that amount of money. Yeah, that's true. So it's not like you're being defrauded. You just if you thought that was the face value the government would give you, it's the same value that the Liberty Dollar folks will give you. Yeah. So we'll continue to, uh, as we learn more about this case. We'll continue to give you updates. I I think I read that. Bernard von Nothaus, the man in charge of the Liberty Dollar, who we had on the show a few a few weeks, a couple weeks, or a week ago, I guess, it will, apparently was scheduled for the Glenn Beck program on television tonight. So really? that would be Ooh, good. That would him. be big. That's a yeah. that's a good program. And we well, also know that he's big, big program. program. <laughs> he is set as the keynote speaker in the upcoming Liberty Forum, which mm-hmm. we're going to be broadcasting from. So we're looking looking forward to uh, to seeing Bernard again, provided that the uh, the feds don't arrest him by that point. So we'll keep you up to date with that as it develops. Let's go to the phones in the meantime and talk to Tom in London. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Hi, guys. Hey, Tom, what's on uh, your mind? I just wanted to call you up and tell you about how uh, two things which are going on in the UK which are just completely absurd. Okay. Um, well, one of them is absurd, and the other one is just expected. Um, stands operating procedure of uh, government. Um, a few days ago, the government have announced that as part of the war on terrorism... Um, we're now going to have airport-style security checks at all mainline railway stations. You're going to have airport-style, you said, right? Yeah. Okay. So baggage checks, you know, random searches, that kind of stuff. So this is on the subway? You're talking about this, just the no, regular no, no, subway? No, uh, on mainline, uh, like Amtrak-style. I see. Trains. Okay. Um, commuter rail, that kind of thing. And then today... Um, 
it's been tragic but hilarious. The um, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, which is you know the equivalent of the IRS, mm-hmm. has only gone and lost 25 million um, records. Oh God! About uh, citizens, they've lost. Basically, what they were doing is they were sending some data from one office to another, and they put 25 million benefit records onto a disk and mailed it, <laughs> and the mail has gone missing. So, um, wait a minute. They don't have uh, the ba- a backup copy? No, no, no. They, no they've, got a co- they've got a copy, but they've, they, they don't know where the, the copy they sent Oh, I see what is. you mean. They so, just lost all uh, 25 million right. people's information? So, like the equivalent of our social security number, that sort of Data identifying birth, information. Everything is in, it takes to uh, fake being um, uh, a citizen for Her Majesty's England. Information also has bank details as well. Oh, lovely. Oh. Um, it contains the yeah, name, address, date of birth, national insurance number, and where relevant bank details of 25 million people or 7.5 million families. Well, there's only 60 million people in the UK. I was going to ask. Got 50% of the. Oh my goodness! Now, um, <laughs> didn't we have something the head similar here? Of the uh, revenue has resigned today. Uh, oh, that's going to solve the problem. <laughs> and uh, and there are calls for the chancellor, who's like the number two guy in the government to go. Um, of course, the uh, the opposition parties are being completely ineffectual and saying, we need reform, we need reform, we need to bring the government up to date with new technology, blah de blah de blah and right. yeah. ignoring the fact that, you know, uh, although some of them are saying that, um, you know, the fact that they've made this huge blunder and that's, this is just one of a whole series of stupid blunders like losing laptops with personal information on them and that's what's um, happened over here. Is personal information to the wrong people, and that might have been what you were remembering. Nick was uh, the VA. I think at one point VA. lost a laptop. Like Twenty-one with, million. I don't think it was millions. It was hundreds of thousands, maybe, but a right. whole lot of names and information and private numbers and that sort of thing was was all lost as well. So these things happen, and you know, essentially, the government, uh, the top guy at the IRS or whatever it is over there, Department of Revenue, resigning is nothing more than symbolism. You know, that's just right. them saying, look, we're we're showing we're serious about this. See, this guy's resigned. Okay, well, we can't really do anything else. We've already lost your information, so go back to work, everybody. Nothing to see here. The and what can, is, what can it, they do? It's, it's, it's child benefit records, which is everybody who has a child. Mm. Every single parent in the UK has just had their, has potentially lost Right. So I guess what um, you have to do at this point is just hope that it's just a piece of lost mail and that no one actually maliciously yeah. took it. <laughs> well, and the only thing I can hope is that um, the uh, the this huge, you know, bout of incompetence shakes the public into into realizing that you know if the government get put in charge of any more personal information, um, like the ID card system or the new immigration procedures or any of the other things which they're proposing. They're going to make the same kind of job of it, which is, you know, half-assed and, you know, will involve, you know, even more tragedy. Um, now, I mean, that's certainly an optimistic uh, viewpoint. I mean, to hope that the public will pick up on this and be upset enough to make a change, but... I, I mean, don't think re- there's a lot of evidence for it. Yeah, I mean, these sorts of things well, happen, and it's, usually it's the news the just blows over. Two stories on the BBC News website, and, you know, 4,000 people have emailed in, and, you know, it's... I well, there's no doubt least. that there's no doubt that in uh, in Great Britain, just as over here in the United States, there's a lot of um, people that are upset 
at the, the the government and how powerful it has gotten and how just uh, just huge and uh, and overwhelming and intrusive it has become. But I think even though there's a, a a tremendous amount of people that feel that way, I think they also feel defeated at the same time. I think they feel mm. as though there's not much that they can do about it, especially when you have you know big government candidate A running against big government candidate B. I mean, do you guys have a the equivalent of a Ron Paul over there that you could you know that people could get excited about? Uh, short answer, no. But there are some there are some things which I I, I am quite excited about the um, uh, the No to ID organisation who are you know strongly opposing the ID card system. Yeah, we yes. talked about that. These are uh, these are Britons that are refusing to accept their new national the new national ID cards, correct? Well, they're campaigning against it, but they've also they've just started pushing their pledge, and a whole load of people, including uh, myself, pledged um, a year or two back uh, to refuse. And to donate to a legal defense fund. Yep, that's so absolutely something my... to be excited about, and it's and that's cool too because it's civil disobedience. It doesn't have to involve a candidate. You don't have to have this magical savior uh, to to get behind. You can just go and and just refuse to participate. And I think that's very powerful. Keep us in the loop, Tom, and thanks for the uh, the information from overseas across the pond. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then amp up. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier, and you get some access to perks, like the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, all the details at amp.freetalklive.com. But the main purpose of the program is to have you send in 3 bucks a month, and we take that money in, and we turn it around into promoting Free Talk Live, getting the show on more radio stations across the country, and thereby exposing more new people to the message of freedom and liberty. So if that's valuable to you and you like Free Talk Live and you like the fact that we give away everything for free, then head over and uh, voluntarily uh, voluntarily contribute at amp.freetalklive.com. Again, that's amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go right back into the phone calls here. Dave is in Athens, Ohio, listening on WAIS. Hello, Dave. Hi, guys. How you doing? Great. What's on your mind? Oh, I have smoked marijuana and it never did anything bad to me. It just gave me the giggle. <laughs> yeah. And now, did you become an addict? Could you uh, could you not put the joint down? Because that's what John McCain says. He says that only people can use alcohol responsibly. I could put it down easily. Hmm. I haven't smoked it lately. That's funny. You know what? I've never met anybody that couldn't put a joint down that uh, you know couldn't use marijuana in a moderated uh, capacity. There may be some people out I, there, but I've met people that I felt like take um, took uh, you know some some chances uh, that I would not have taken in order to acquire marijuana, and that seems to me like an indication of somebody who has a problem. Yeah, a question for you: How do you feel about smoking cigarettes? It's your body; you can do whatever you want. I Don't mean, throw your cigarette butts out the window of the car. Yeah. Okay. Will you guys be on Thursday or? Yeah, you know what? I need to ask our board operators about that. I have yet to confirm if we're going to be able to do a live show on uh, Thursday night, but until I hear otherwise, we will be live on Thanksgiving evening. All right, have a happy Thanksgiving Or Thanksgiving anyway. night, rather. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Yeah, I mean, cigarettes, it's smoking. Uh, I don't really get it, personally. I mean, at least you're smoking marijuana, you're smoking to get high. I, I don't really know what the purpose to smoking cigarettes is. 
To people, satiate your addiction to yeah. nicotine? <laughs> right. People, people enjoy but, it. I mean, but why start? I mean, is it, is it really that most people start because they think it's cool? Or well, what? it does have a physical effect on you when you first start. Like a little buzz or something? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a head rush. It's, some people it doesn't really affect that much. Others it does. It's, mm-hmm. You know, people have been using tobacco over here in America for as long as people have been in America. Uh, you know, it, it's just a, it's sort of a traditional thing. I'm not saying that I think that uh, using tobacco is the uh, the smartest thing anyone's ever done, but they should be able to do it if they want. Yeah, absolutely. And there's all kinds of ways to use tobacco. You can smoke cigars. You can smoke pipes. You can uh, chew, chew it. it. Right. Which yeah. is snuff. Yuck. They have snuff, which snuff is similar. Is kind of outdated. I don't think I've enjoyed chewing that. tobacco Ew, before. It's so gross. People carry around their bottles. You know, yeah. they've got this bottle that they just yeah. sort of spit it into after I've, they're done chewing. I've done it before. Yeah. It's, have you? It's better oh, yeah. to use a opaque bottle rather than a clear one. But, yeah. 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 And now they flavor it like... Um, Fruit. They have peach of the marketplace responsible. Right? That they have vanilla flavored. <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, wow. I mean, if, you, if they accuse cigarette company of, t- of targeting kids, but you know, they pretty much make candy flavored. Right, now. strawberry tobacco. <laughs> but adults eat candy. Sure they. Do. Oh yeah. Sure yeah. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Doesn't matter if you want to talk about drugs or guns. And word is the Supreme Court is going to be hearing that Second Amendment case. We'll give you a few details on that here. But first, let's talk to Paula in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live, Paula. Yeah, hi, hon. Um, I'm getting a copy of some papers from Ron Paul's office. They're, they're putting in the mail to me today. Cause they didn't have a fax machine there. Uh, it's about this thing with Liberty Coin. Really? Okay, they said they have some information on this, and so they're going to mail it to me. Okay. And um, also, uh, there's some other things, too. Uh, this craziness that GW is doing about threatening martial law. And this uh, executive order he wants to bring about, saying if you disagree with him, that you could be considered a terrorist, you could be arrested. Well, yeah, yeah, you mentioned that last night, Paula. What about yeah, it? Yeah, well, the reps in, ja- in in Washington are staying in the house. Some of them are staying right there. They're keeping it they have open. A little camp out there. In the house. Yeah, they're they're afraid that GW's going to pull something. And so this is why they're keeping the house open. They said they're right there in Washington. They're not going to you know, miss anything. If, if he wants to declare martial law, I don't think that the representatives being in the house is really no. going to matter at all. No. Um, well, because he'll is, have this. This isn't necessary. No, oh, I would. I, mean, I would concur with you completely. Absolutely. Well, I think he's going a little berserk. Okay, I mean he's mentally ill anyway. But the thing is, it's just um, you know he's going overboard. Um, and um, I yeah, mean, he sure, needs to I see know. your doctor. You you got some doctors you could recommend him to, don't you, Paula? Uh. No, I mean, Dr. Martini, doctor, I believe. But, huh? Dr. Martini, I believe. But she knows the situation. No. She even got in touch with his mom. Yeah. And she tried to get him to stop the aspartame pouring. That's right. See, Paula has the connections. You need some help. Paula's going to be able to help you out. Paula, thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. She is connected. I mean, Paula has a fax machine, and Dr. Ron Paul's presidential campaign doesn't even have a fax machine. I mean, I thought that Ron Paul was a frugal man, but... To not buy a fax machine for his campaign office, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it Paula is staffed was... by uh, young people. Perhaps they just think email is good enough. You know what? I think Paula is actually hooked up. I think her phone lines are hooked up to some secret government call center, and she wasn't actually talking to the Ron Paul campaign. She was talking to some government black ops uh, organization. They're just they're fooling her. They're keeping her in the dark. There was a small grain of truth somewhere in all of that call. <laughs> um, there is um, an act before the House right now, H.R. 1955, the Violent Radicalization and Homegrown Terrorism Prevention Act of 2007, um, but it's not an executive order. There are, but there are parts of this bill um, that could be construed um, 
basically as thought crimes acts. If you adopt an ideology which promotes the idea of violence, it, you don't actually have to conspire to commit an act of terrorism or violence. Mm-hmm. But let's say you were a communist. Under this bill, you could be arrested because yes. communism is uh, ideology that promotes violence against the state. Well, so you're that, correct, um, and we've we've discussed that before. And also, there was another um, uh, iota of truth in there, uh, in that she mentioned the executive orders that have to do with uh, the president being able to sort of deem people as uh, suspects, unlawful enemy combatants, that sort of thing. And it's not just executive orders; it's also the Military Commissions Act of 2007, I believe. Right. The, the Congress is completely implicit in this. Defense Authorization Act. Yeah, the idea that Congress is sitting around in the you know the House of Representatives just keeping us safe from you know, old Georgie, <laughs> keeping a vigil. That's absolutely absurd, <laughs> and I don't know where she gets these things from. But there is it is true that the president can essentially deem somebody as a unlawful enemy combatant and uh, literally have them picked up off the streets and put into a, a military break somewhere. Well, so, thanks to Congress, which gave him right, the yeah, exactly. authorization. And there was some sort of executive order. And not order. that he wasn't doing it um, anyway, when it, uh, you know, if he felt like it. <laughs> And so. there was some sort of executive order that tied into all this, but it all just melds together for me. After a while, I can't really separate all the tyranny from, from one another. So she's on to a few things, but she's also full of misinformation. Anyway, 800-259-9231 ABC News reporting that a decision could, in a decision that could affect gun control laws across the nation, the Supreme Court has agreed to consider whether the Second Amendment protects an individual's right to carry a gun. It's been 70 years since the high court has focused on the meaning of the words right to keep and bear arms in the Second Amendment, and the case is sure to ignite cultural battles across the country. The Supreme Court agreed to step in because the issue has caused a deep split in the lower courts. While the majority of courts have said the right to bear arms refers in connection to service in a state militia, two federal courts have said the amendment protects an individual's right to keep a gun. One of those courts, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia, went as far as striking down a decades-long ban on the private ownership of handguns in D.C. It's this case that the court has agreed to consider. D.C. Mayor Adrian Fenty brought the case to the Supreme Court in an effort to save the district's gun ban, one of the strictest in the nation that went into effect, uh, into effect over 30 years ago. He argues that, quote, whatever the Second Amendment guarantees, it does not require the district to stand by while its citizens die. The mayor is concerned that if the gun ban is overturned, there will be even more handguns available in the streets. <laughs> Fenty said, the District of Columbia has too many handguns. Well, your ban's doing a real good job there, isn't it? Right. Mayor? I thought it's, it's, dist- it's a decades-long ban. Um, how come you haven't been able to take care of all the guns at this point? Oh, because you'll never be able to take care of all the guns. In court papers... It doesn't matter if it's one city, one state, one nation. It doesn't matter. Look at Great Britain. They have the same problems. In court papers, his lawyers argue handguns are the weapon most likely to be used in a street crime. Although only a third of the nation's firearms are handguns, they're responsible for more, far more killings. The guns themselves, Mark. Right, they're getting up, they're running around on their little chrome legs and shooting people. That's amazing that inanimate objects can have responsibility. <laughs> uh, only in the world of government. You uh, know, people get p- killed with ice picks, hammers, yeah. uh Wrenches, God knows what. Are we going to outlaw those things, too? The law, well, maybe. Uh, the United Kingdom's working on outlawing knives, so they're working towards it. The law banned, uh, this is the D.C. law, it banned residents from owning a handgun unless they already had a permit. D.C. residents like Shelley Parker sued the city, saying she had a constitutional right to protect herself. She's right. Boy, the nerve of that woman. 
So we'll find out here. Of course, I'm being facetious. I absolutely think D.C. residents should be able to, to carry firearms to protect themselves. We certainly discussed firearms to an extent last night. And we'll bring you this case as it develops here. It looks like the Supreme Court is going to take it on. And this could have some serious implications for gun freedom in America if it comes out the wrong way. And it... It just might. Or if it comes out the right way. Hour two's coming up. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 800-259-9231. As we launch in hour number two, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature's on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. That is freetalklive.com. Let's go across to some, what is it, Norway, Mark? Where are we going to? Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. That's what it is. Not, 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 I knew it started far, with an really. N. Yeah. What's uh, what's going on in Nova Scotia? Foreign places starting with N. I'll take that for five hundred dollars, Alex. <laughs> well, um, the, no big surprise here. First town in Canada to ban smoking in vehicles with children. Mm. A bid by a small Nova Scotia town to ban smoking in vehicles carrying children is being applauded by the Canadian Cancer Society, which dismissed criticism that the law is too intrusive by citing the evolution of anti-smoking laws across the country. The evolution, huh? Mm. I guess they're evolving. Uh, evolution's a natural process. Laws are unnatural by nature. Anyway. Okay. The uh, town council of Wolfville, about an hour's drive north of Halifax, made history yesterday as all seven councillors voted in favor of the bylaw, the first of its kind in Canada. Meg uh, McCollum A spokeswoman for the Cancer Society said the uh, bylaw is part of a societal shift that began years ago when similar bans were placed on airplanes, followed by workplaces, restaurants, and bars across much of Canada. You know, it's such a shame that uh, the cancer organizations are out spending their money and their time lobbying for new laws to control people when you'd think that it'd be more effective for them to spend their money and time, oh, I don't know, researching a cure or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why I won't ever support uh, any of those cancer organizations unless they can they can prove that they have not been supporting le- legislation like this. Right. I'm all for uh, curing cancer. I'm not all for uh, destroying people's liberty. Now, I have I, I'm kind of caught in a quandary on this whole uh, you know smoking in cars with children thing. It's a little confusing to me. I think there's some issues that might uh, that I'd like to discuss with you, but I'd like to read. Okay. Article. Yeah. Sure. Actually, I'd like to discuss them with uh, with Nick. Okay, fine. You guys have fun. Okay. I'll go take a coffee break. The uh, Here's the line that I certainly could have uh, expected to see here. It's all about what's best for the children and youths, she said from uh, Halifax. This part of uh, evolving to a culture where being tobacco-free is the norm. The law expected to come into effect June 1st, 2008. Oh, wait a minute. Um... I think, at least here in America, last time I heard any sort of numbers, it was one out of five people were smoking or were tobacco smokers. That's about right. About right. It varies from area to area. So that's, I mean, is it is it the majority of people in Canada that smoke tobacco? Because I doubt if, very seriously. if it's the majority, then that wouldn't count. Wouldn't that count as the norm? If it were, if it were most people that smoke tobacco, wouldn't that be the norm? I mean, she's suggesting that it's uh, that it's not the norm, or she's suggesting that it is the norm that people smoke tobacco, but the statistics say otherwise. The statistics say tobacco smokers are a minority, and it's getting less and less we're popular. A, uh, we're a large, invisible minority. 
Gotcha. So um, Nova Scotia already has a ban on smoking in public places. Uh, Wolfville led the way on that front, too. Now, according to Health Canada, New Brunswick... This is like the Berkeley of, uh, of Canada, basically. Yeah, well, um, the, um, places all over Canada have en- enacted similar laws. Okay. Wolfville Mayor Bob Stead has insisted the law is not about hunting for people who are violating the bylaw, but raising awareness. Hmm. For the most part, it's a matter of bringing to people's attention the health risks that are associated with smoking in cars, particularly in front what of children. What a load of nonsense. It, it doesn't make any sense to me that... Uh, That's right. Their cops are just going to ignore this law when they pull people over and they find them smoking cigarettes. Mm. Sure they are. Well, it's a it's a bylaw, so I'm not sure how much uh, power it has, but you know, I, I don't know the legal situation in Nova Scotia either. But the... First off, I don't think that secondhand smoke is nearly as dangerous as they tell us it is. I think that uh, people smoke filterless cigarettes and don't die till they're in their 60s and 70s generally. There's no guarantee that smoking cigarettes will give you lung cancer. It's not a guarantee. It may increase your you odds. May, you may die before you get, the, get it. I think at some point you'll likely, if you live long enough, you're likely to get lung cancer Maybe. from it. But it, you know, different George people, Burns a, didn't have it. I think it, he didn't I, inhale. I, the statistics I've heard are that tobacco kills one in three who use it. So your odds of actually being killed by tobacco as a primary cause of death, there, your odds are you won't die of, of a tobacco-related illness. But, but your odds are much, much higher of dying of cancer and heart disease. Now, being in a car with somebody who's smoking um, certainly doesn't allow it to dilute into the air as much as in a room with somebody who's smoking. But I, there's just not the nearly that you don't inhale nearly the amount of smoke from secondhand smoke as you would from smoking a cigarette. And it takes yeah. a long time for people to die from smoking cigarettes. It's not just something immediate. Well, and I suppose if you have asthma, that it could kick it in and that um, kind of thing. I, well, I, I think in a car particularly, if you crack the window, mm-hmm. at 90% of your smoke is headed out that window. I'd yeah, say, absolutely. I'd say it's a, it's a lot less of a smoky environment than somebody sitting in a house smoking because the smoke just fills the room and doesn't vent. But what about the parent that uh, you know doesn't care about that and just I suppose essentially hot boxes the car, doesn't crack the window? I, I suppose they could do that. I don't know... Many smoke. Well, I mean, Nova Scotia. Every cold. smoker I know cracks the window. Yeah, I don't yeah. know anybody who likes to bathe in the smoke. Cause if you close, <laughs> if you leave the windows rolled up, it just burns your eyes and. It's not right, fun. but they don't look at these kind of things. What they, you know, if they if they did a test on uh, secondhand smoke in cars, you can believe they sealed that baby up with caulk. You know, yeah. right. I mean, there was no ventilation at all, and, and then they pumped the smoke in there and. Well, this is such a disturbing trend because you're saying that the people who are in favor of this particular smoking ban, that is banning uh, parents from smoking in cars with uh, with young people, essentially they're saying that, well, this is okay because we've just – look at the progression of laws. The laws have been getting more and more restrictive, and so this is just the next step. Well, the next step from here is going to suggest that if a mother, for instance, smokes a cigarette while she is pregnant, then that could be some sort of an actionable crime. I mean, if indeed, if it is a, uh, if it is a crime to smoke a cigarette when you're in the car with an with a child, should it also logically? I mean, if this is logic, and anyway, it does follow if you're following this insane logic, I guess. Shouldn't it also mean that if a mother smokes while pregnant, that that's a criminal act as well? Well, I don't, I I don't actually think that the health implications are the motivation behind this at all. From the ads I've heard, I mean, I listen to a Vermont music station a lot of the time in the car, mm-hmm. um, and they run lots and lots of ads, public service announcements about Tibet quitting smoking. And um, one of them is a kid talking about how they don't want their parents to smoke around them. But it goes beyond, she says, um, keep it far enough away from me that I can't even smell it. I can't even see it. 
it's not it's so the implication that the state is trying to put forth is not only can children not be exposed to the smoke they can't be within 10 feet of you outside where they can smell it and they shouldn't even be within eye shot they, they just these are just people who want to abolish smoking. Right, that's they're, absolutely what they want to do. They're just using children as a cover to abolish right. smoking. Right, but I would they also, totally agree with that. I mean, why wouldn't they pass a law that says you can't smoke while pregnant? They might. Right, that so, seems to be the next step here. If, they, if we're going to pass laws preventing parents from allowing their kids to contact smoke or be in the vicinity of cigarettes, then that would seem to make the most uh, sense. That one would come next. So here's my question um, from sort of the other side of it. Um... As a certain amount of exposure to tobacco smoke secondhand is going to be bad. Now, I don't know how that, that exposure is going to be something like being locked in an unventilated room with a person who's smoking, you know, mm-hmm. two packs a day or something like that. That's, going to be, that's not going to be good for you. It, it makes some sense. Laws that uh, prohibit parents and people from poisoning people make sense to me. So if I were to, uh, you know, put a little little teaspoonful of arsenic every morning or, uh, you know, enough, a, a non-fatal dose of arsenic every morning into my child's uh, uh, cereal bowl, I would be a nut. Um, right. What, like, where does this, where does it all fall in line? This is what I just don't understand. Somehow I grew up with a dad that smoked, and I don't think I, I don't think my life was ruined uh, based on it. I do smoke cigars. I inhale them. Um yeah, I don't think exposure to secondhand smoke really increases your odds of ever using tobacco necessarily. Um, well, th- you pose a good question. I'm going to answer it by saying you drive a car. So when you drive past me on the street with your car, you're also putting a dilute amount of carbon monoxide into the air that I have to breathe. Right. So uh, ultimately, in our everyday lives, we do produce things that will eventually, no matter how small the effect is, produce an effect on another person. Mm -hmm. And I think you can easily get into a slippery slope there. And I think think addressing smoking on private property is going down that. I agree. Even though you might have a a bit of a point, but I think any real legislation against it is just going to be heavy-handed. Also, I think to equate um, purposefully putting arsenic in someone's food and smoking a cigarette in the same room is... Two totally different situations. One involves maliciousness. The other involves an addiction. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are for free, including archives and entire year's worth of the show, front page of the site. For your downloading convenience, go and get them on us, freetalklive.com. American Consumer News is an online magazine which will provide you with a steady stream of money-saving tips to help get you closer to financial freedom. The magazine discusses topics such as investing, real estate, frugality, debt reduction, and more. That's AmericanConsumerNews.com. Once again, AmericanConsumerNews.com. All right, so, Mark, did you finish your thoughts on this story? Were we? Yeah, I mean, I, I just... The smoking and cars thing banned now in Nova Scotia, also banned in some other areas of this country, and you can expect that to spread. You can expect these smoking bans to become more and more draconian, more and more absurd. Uh, before you know it, they're going to make it so that kids can sue their mothers for smoking during a pregnancy. Mm. Yeah, I can see that coming. Actually, that would make more sense to me uh, if you could demonstrate some kind of harm or drinking during pregnancy. I mean, I don't know many people with fetal alcohol syndrome who could 
put together a lawsuit, but they could go. I, to a, I mean, they if, could go to an attorney who who would, but I don't know many people who have fetal alcohol syndrome whose mothers, in fact, have enough money to be worth suing. That's a good yeah. point. Anyway, so if you've got comments on that story, you're welcome to chime in, 800-259-9231. Otherwise, we continue with the phone calls and go to X, calling from California. X, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, uh, bad news. You know, uh, searching uh, for people smoking cigarettes in cars, it's kind of silly because we have a pulp mill near where I live, and uh, they actually falsify their emissions records Mm -hmm. and then pay the fine. (laughs) <laughs> so, like, I, you know, that's the thing. And for me, I, I, I'm offended by that because they're violating me. And, like, here we are. We're going to dedicate all this power and might to searching the individual citizen smoking a cigarette in the car when the pulp mill is probably killing more people. It's an interesting observation. And, of yeah. course, the individual citizen is easy to go after and push around and throw into a jail cell or force into some treatment program, while a, a big corporation, they've got political ties, they've got friends in politics, uh, they can pull some strings. In this particular case, as you pointed out, and this, isn't an, this is not an isolated incident that's been known to happen across the country, where a big corporation, it's more affordable for them to just pay the fine on whatever the violation is that they're committing, rather than to actually you know, fix the problem and, and go into compliance. Yeah, and my pulp mill is owned by by uh, a, a, a People's Liberation Army company, so that that's like salt on the wound too, because it's a Chinese company. Today. Oh, hmm. interesting. <clears throat> so anyway, like uh, that's that you know that's pretty lame. I mean, I, I'd rather see uh, you know more focus put on uh, you know business and things, but that just shows you what happens when government can operate and just print their own budget. You know. Well, it also, I mean, it also shows you what happens when the government just gets so big that it becomes this powerful tool that can be used against other people. And, of course, inevitably, those with the most influence and power, those uh, big money business people like the, you know, the Rupert Murdochs of the world, are the ones who get the political favors done for them. You know, you can't expect the government to uh, to regulate these corporations out of uh, because they're just, they're too tied in. It's too much of a fascist situation where the corporations work with the government to both enhance their power. So the corporations help the government grow and the uh, c- the government helps protect the corporations from new competition and that sort of thing. And all the while, everybody else suffers. Now, oh, Yeah, exactly. The tax falls on the individual person. We, supp- we have to pay for all that going on. You do, because when terrible. a corporation gets taxed, it just passes on its costs yeah, to the property consumer. Property tax, everything. Property tax, uh, property tax makes me want to like go around and like Really, like, property tax angers me. Why is that? Because, like, I, well, I worked my butt off to buy my house. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, I worked my butt off for two years. Mm-hmm. I worked 18 hours a day and lived in a space about uh, about the side, well, I, about uh, six feet by, uh, by, about, by about eight feet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I lived in that kind of space for two years and worked, like, 20 hours a day constantly. To get the money to like buy my house for like a, a down payment, you know, that's twenty percent right, sure. down or anything. And uh and then you know, now I'm supposed to pay now all of a sudden anyway, taxes I just property tax is just so unfair. And I don't use any of their services. I don't have any children. Right. You you essentially the property taxes basically tells you that you don't really own your property. You're sort of a glorified uh, renter, essentially. If if I could opt out for you know uh, you know, like give me a three year opt out, I'd feel better about it. Like I just got my place, give me three years, don't you know, to opt out for three years, I'd feel better about contributing. But uh you know, I, I don't. I don't have any brats and stuff. I don't need to pay for the schools, and I don't. I don't need to pay. For, 
So any, anyway, it's just annoying. It's frustrating. It just goes I just to show you like we can't keep giving these people money because when they just they just use it to abuse. I'm too frightened to stop paying the local government myself. Uh, I'm, I'm at this. I'm at the point in my life when I, when, I've, when I've had it with the feds. I, I'm not paying the feds they're anymore. Easy. I know they're easy because there's just so many and like. They fire the machine gun, and they can only get so many before they reload. No, well, they're further away as well. They're just not as, yeah. as close, not not quite as scary. For, I know, I know, I know a couple people who are like almost sixty years old, who have never ever in their life ever, 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 just had jobs where you had like they're not even on their computers and stuff. Really? They never paid. Ta- they never paid federal taxes. Is what you're saying? Yeah. They just never have because they're just from a different generation. Like they were farmers and stuff, and like they went to an accountant. The accountant, even the accountant, told them like there are a lot of people that don't pay federal taxes, and I think that uh, more people should join their ranks, especially as we see more and more uh, federal abuse, uh, more police state tyranny, bigger and bigger government. I don't want to pay for this nonsense. Stealing, going and breaking into the you know into the Liberty Dollar business, breaking into marijuana facilities out there in California. All that they steal that all the time. They're a gang, and I don't pay violent criminals. Thanks for the call, man. We. You've got to tell me, wait, don't hang oh. up. you got to tell me, did Lauren Canario drive away from the correctional facility? Or <laughs> no, I don't think up? she did. But I think she, she has been driving since then. Okay, well, I don't want to know about that. But if she <laughs> drove after she got out or not. I, I cannot speak to that. I think her husband might have taken her home that particular day. Thanks for the call, okay. X. 800-259-9231. I'll be, uh, be having my Thanksgiving with Lauren, as a matter of fact, here. She's inviting a bunch of people over. Yeah. I think I'm going to go at least drop in. What about you, Nick? You, uh, I you have family Thanksgiving. Oh, you and your families. <laughs> so it's going to be fun, though, because this is kind of cool. Because the uh, you know the one of the people, uh, one of the frequent complaints you'll hear about the Free State Project, this movement of uh, twenty thousand liberty-loving people all moving to New Hampshire from all across the country, and in fact the world. One of the objections is frequently that, well, I'm going to have to. I don't want to leave my family. And I can understand a lot of people very close to their family, family very important in their life. But the good news is that if you do decide to take the plunge and make the move, you aren't alone when you get here. There are people that have already moved here, and they're very, very friendly folks. Not only will they help you move into your house if you like that sort of assistance, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just a huge deal, but they'll al- they're also doing things like this, where they're setting up a Thanksgiving dinner uh, and just inviting uh, the early movers in the area, the Free State Project members and other liberty lovers here in New Hampshire, to come on out and bring something, uh, bring a plate, and, and have a good time with each other. Yeah, well, I got an invite for, uh, I think it's a Christmas-type event that's going on in December from a free stater, so you know, there, cool. are, there are there are lots of you know social networking and you know people support each other. So you sort of have a a family of free staters up here, I guess you could say. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So I I absolutely share X's concerns on the property tax. It's an it's an abhorrent uh, tax because essentially, as he's put it, as he put it, you know, he busted his butt and saved and scrimped for years of his life to get a down payment on a house. And, right. and then, you know, as soon as you buy that house, then you start getting screwed by the tax man. Yeah, I hate property taxes, too. I, I think that I hate them less than I do the income tax, simply because the income tax requires you to put all kinds I of disagree. information I You down. can easily avoid an income tax, while property taxes are much more difficult to get away from. More on the way. You can take control. This is your show. 1-800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com.
This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231, the single CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, and they include the wiki with over 1,450 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Head to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive, wiki.freetalklive.com. Speaking of SACL CAI, they will be sponsoring the cocktail reception at the Liberty Forum. I believe they're sponsoring the entire Liberty Forum. The whole Forum. deal, right. right. Um, you can So you can come down and meet Jason and Mike and, and all the good folks from SACL. And it's clear that SACL CAI is very good at what they do, because they certainly have a lot of money to throw around for sponsorships. I think that, yeah, you know, um, they, they want this whole Liberty thing to happen. And they really, they put their money where their uh, their principles are. Yeah. And they back up Liberty-oriented shows like Free Talk Live and uh, Liberty-oriented events like the uh, the Liberty Forum. It just goes to show that these guys know what they're doing when it comes to collections. That's the truth. So, so you can uh, check out their banner at freetalklive.com. Yeah, you need some collections done. They are the people to do it. Once again, that's SACL CAI. All right, let's jump into the email box here and go to one from Stephen. He says, guys, I told myself I'd limit my emails to one per show. I'll do that, but since I just heard two shows, you'll get two emails, and you have to read them because I just became an amplifier. I think the one caller's point was not taken. The one who suggested, the one who called about government being a part of human existence for all of history dating back to primitive tribes. I think the caller was suggesting not that this shows that government is good, but that only that government might be inevitable. One of the things that attracted me to the free market was the way it's a spontaneous force, the way its results aren't planned, but rather just emerge out of it. One of the realizations I had that blew my mind as an up-and-coming libertarian was the fact that in every society, at every point in history, a state has always emerged. Even Iceland didn't stay stateless for long. It well, almost... a couple hundred years, which um, is as long as our republic has managed to happen. I mean, I don't know everything about Icelandic history, but it seems like they had some kind of you know, tribally-based thing going on for a couple hundred years. Yeah. It almost seems like it's a natural result of human interaction for a state to eventually emerge. Now, he's using it the term state. does seem that way. The term state kind of, mm, I don't know if I agree with it necessarily. Right. There it, are for, people calling themselves the state, right. people calling themselves government, but really, they're just people using force to get their way. Right, using like a strongman situation, yeah. as a tribal leader, a chief, as it were. He says the very simplified explanation for this is that there are always going to be a small number of people who want to rule others, and a large number who want to be ruled. Or at least don't care about being ruled. And a very small number who want nothing to do with it. The libertarians always present, and always too small to do anything about it. People want to be ruled, says Stephen, and they want to belong to a nation-state, one they can cheer for and be proud of. People want to be primitive tribalists. And you know why? Because the Homo sapiens walking the earth today are biologically identical to the Homo sapiens who made up those primitive tribes. That's absolutely true. There, um, you know, as as humans evolved, now we've created a culture where we don't, uh, where where the weakest aren't killed off. Evolution doesn't take right. place anymore. Um, you know, for whatever reason, and, you know, they're not they're not dying. The only people that are dying out there right now are the. Uh, the, the most violent and, and stupid of people, the uh, the convicts of the world. And you have to die before you procreate. If you right. just and, die and after you have And they're pretty kids. quick at procreating those convicts. Right. So he says, again, biologically identical to the Homo sapiens who made up primitive tribes. We do have more knowledge now, but we have the very same brains and the very same instincts. Mm-hmm. I uh, like to liken the human race to unfrozen caveman lawyer, the SNL character from the late 80s. 
We might act sophisticated, but under it all, we're the same as those cavemen. Just watch any gathering of Cleveland Browns fans to see what I mean. That's a joke, but just barely. Notice the grunts and hoots and loyalty to the tribe and the hatred of the other tribe. I look at the political protest and see a bunch of monkeys jumping up and down and making noise. And that is how tribes of monkeys intimidate other tribes. To be ruled by the state might just be an inevitable destiny of the Homo sapien. Remember, we did not evolve to be optimal, to seek out and live under optimal political conditions, but rather only to be good enough to survive. Yeah. The state is not opti- uh, optimal, but it is good enough. You can never expect more from evolution than just good enough. So his question essentially is, is the state inevitable? Will we always be saddled with those who wish to rule over others? I don't see a lot of evidence contrary to what he's claimed. Certainly in the history of mankind, you're right. But and I think that... Things ha- do, many, many, many things have happened for the first time. Exactly. Like ending slavery, or at least the slavery that we're familiar with. I mean, over time, things have been getting better for mankind. Certainly, we aren't as primitive now as we were in the past. There is no doubt that we do still harbor some of the, the old instincts. Um, and it takes, in, I mean, by evolutionary standards, it takes a long, long, long time for that sort of stuff to, to go away. Of course, now we are getting into a, a new wonderful information age, and it's going to change into you know these these new uh, technologies that we're coming out that are coming out soon. The biotechnology and the nanotechnology they're going to have the ability to go in and literally change your, your you know your instincts. They're going to be able to tweak your DNA to where you you know your body won't need to do some of the things that it does that just biologically aren't necessary anymore. Uh, for instance, there was a, that fat gene or something like that where mm-hmm. they they've now figured out how to turn off this essentially this fat storage gene where your body was uh, essentially telling itself that oh it might be a cold winter i need to really put on some pounds because you might not find any food right well now there's no problem finding food but you're evolutionarily you you don't know that instinctually uh, your body doesn't necessarily know mm-hmm. that but if they could go in and shut that gene off with this gene therapy stuff for the the biotechnology then that would completely change uh, the way people see themselves and uh, the, maybe some of the, 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 the overweight problems that we have in this country. Yeah, so, I, I, I have some concerns about how far we go with gene therapy, too. Especially, I'm sure there's going to be some fallout and probably well, some negative reactions. And especially with the state around. I mean, for the first time, we really have an, uh, a situation where madmen like the Nazis can actually change what it is to be human you're right and, and succeed these uh, biotechnology nanotechnology and the also the uh, the artificial intelligence and robots robotics uh, all of these things are very very dangerous in the hands of government people in the hands of government and uh, while i think the market will correct its own mistakes i think um even in a in a free market environment i think at some point we're going to see technologies misused and we're you know, there are there is can be a downside to a new technology. Oh no like doubt, that. no doubt about it. There's always two sides to a technology, uh, to a new technology. Uh, there's always going to be the negative and the positive. I mean, with the internet, some would say, you know, it's negative that you can go and get scat porn uh, and all kinds of other nastiness. And at the same time, the internet's great because you have uh, encyclopedias at your fingertips, more information than anyone could possibly want. So it's, that's just what you have to live with. But my point in bringing that up is, you know, instead of just discovering the hammer and fire, we're now discovering some much more interesting and and useful tools today. Um, and in addition, I think that 
mentally we've thrown off a lot of chains as well. Chains of the past, like, again, slavery, the old sort of chattel slavery, uh, feudalism, serfs, that's all pretty much gone, at least in our society today. Mm. It's just that we have to throw off the new slavery. There's a, the, there's a more subtle form of slavery going on, and that is government taxation. Yeah. You know, if government owns a piece of the money that you earn, if government can take a percentage of your money, then you're that much a slave to them. And so that's all we need to do is is have another renaissance, essentially, and uh, an awakening, if you will. People come to understand that, and then maybe in another 50 years, we'll all be sitting you know, in our rocking chairs looking back and saying, wow, do you remember when we used to have those government things? Well, life sure is a lot better without it. I think it, it is something that uh, eventually mankind can throw off, but it's going to take some effort. Well, I don't think that biology really plays that much of a role in the form of government we have. Obviously, the United States at one point was you know a brand new thing and some places in the world today are more free than others there's some terrible places like north korea there are some not so terrible places like the united states Mm -hmm. but our biology is all basically the same so i think there's a limit to looking at biology i think that society it is an artificial thing um but i think it could push us in that direction and i I think if somebody's gonna something's gonna save us it's gonna be the internet not Absolutely. Uh, gene therapy. Right. And, you know, I don't, personally, I don't know, I consider myself a minarchist. I don't know if we can make it to a, a functional free market, completely free market. But if we can, I think eventually we will. Yeah, it's worth it's worth going for, in my opinion. And 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. would love your comments on, is it possible... Is it possible for mankind to throw off the shackles of the state entirely? Is it something we'll see in our lifetimes or ever? Would love your thoughts. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. 800-259-9231. That's the Sekel CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, go shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. There are 41 categories to shop in. New items, used items, doesn't matter. You put it in your shopping cart, and Free Talk Live gets a cut. If you start your shopping experience at amazon.freetalklive.com, there's an Amazon thread on our forum, the BBS, and people occasionally will post in there that what they're planning on buying and that sort of thing. That's kind of fun. And I guess there are already some of our some of our listeners that have uh, started their Christmas shopping and they're going to amazon.freetalklive.com to do it. You might as well. It's great deals. All right. So uh, let's continue here. A story from last night that we didn't get to, and I mentioned that we were going to. And it's particularly relevant right now because a lot of people are probably gearing up to get on an airplane, oh, I don't know, tomorrow, because a lot of people travel for Thanksgiving, going to see family members and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, America's airports are – well, first of all, I, I, I think there's news today about there are going to be some delays and travel's going to be awful this year. Uh, but there's one extra reason why it's going to be a little extra awful, maybe a little worse than it normally would be. This from USA Today. See, the federal government has a new plan for you when it comes to uh, – a new rule for you to follow when it comes to your bag, your carry-on bag. Oh, good. You already know about the thing with the the three ounces. Yeah. You can't have toothpaste or gels or liquids, anything in in bottles more than three ounces or tubes more than three ounces. Right. There's that. You also have to put all that stuff in a uh, 
clear plastic clear something gallon quart, bag. I think quart or gallon size bag. I think it might be a quart size bag, the smallest bag. You're supposed to put all your your uh, little bathroom art- articles in that bag, and it must be placed on top of your bag so it can be you know easily inspected. And you've got to take the laptop out of its case, and you know so on and so forth. Don't forget to take your shoes off and your belt off. And there's all kinds of hoops for uh, for airline travelers to jump through. But now there's a new one. Washington, airline passengers who are already required to remove shoes, take off coats, carry only small bundles of liquid, now have a new task. Pack neatly. What? In anticipation of the most popular holiday for travel in the United States, the TSA today, this is a couple days ago, the TSA launches a campaign urging travelers to eliminate clutter in carry-on bags. Pack in layers, travelers, and keep items neat. You are kidding me messy travelers could spend more time in line if their carry-ons are cluttered because such bags are more likely to be pulled aside and searched by hand tsa spokeswoman ellen howe says so tip to terrorists anyone who's packing anything uh dangerous <laughs> pack neatly make sure you pack neatly because then you're less likely to have a secondary search See, this is well, this is something tantamount to a, just a threat you will pack your bag the way we want to see. We, we, we hate cluttered bags. It bothers us when we have mm-hmm. to look through them. And you will pack them neatly, or you will wait longer, citizen. Now, I'm not sure that's what they're trying to say here. They're trying to say that people who don't pack neatly will take longer getting searched, which is probably true. It's going to take longer to look through a disheveled bag with everything all mixed up in it than it will to look through a neatly stacked bag. But they also have said that it will take they, – they did make the specific threat that if you have a cluttered bag, you're more likely to be searched by him. Now, that's a different story. Right. That's Okay, that's a different story. So if you've got a messy bag, it increases your likelihood of them pulling you aside and going through all your stuff by hand. So be, be neat or else – uh, here's more detail. The added search could have... And, and, you know, they failed to mention... I, if I were writing these stories, I would every time I would mention them, the TSA fails, fails to, find stuff. to find things about half the time. Right. Um, Even when they've been alerted to the tests. And, and actually, fail. I've never seen them only miss um, items half the time. I've always seen 75, 60, 70%, yeah. 75, 90%. But I'm just I'm giving them the benefit of the <laughs> doubt going with half. So half of the guns, knives, bomb parts that uh, come through, they miss. Well, yeah. I was glad to see that because they had a... I, I don't know if you noticed it, but they had a big report on all the all the... Items that were missed by the that the red team brought through just mm-hmm. recently, a couple yeah. weeks ago, getting ready for this holiday season, and it was it was pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, it was like half at some places. Some places were pre- were relatively good. They only missed one in four I, items, and these were IEDs. I mean, these weren't just guns or knives; these were IEDs. So <laughs> IED, uh, improvised explosive, explosive device. device. Yes, right. Whether, and, and, and it all seems so pointless to me. Are, we're trying to avoid what happened on 9-11, I think, is what the average American thinks. We don't want 9-11 to occur again. And that's not really what the TSA is about. The TSA is about trying to stop people from blowing up or taking over or hijacking planes. I don't think Americans will allow a plane to be hijacked anymore, certainly not with butt, uh, box cutters. No, um, I, I just don't. After what happened, I just I think you can count on Americans to stop hijacking. I think you're right. I think if you uh, not the it, TSA, you know, if if there's a hijacking going on, you know that there's a good chance you could end up in a fiery explosion. You might as well take the risk and attack the guys, right? Uh, yeah, and I think it's less likely that terrorists are going to target aircraft. I agree. I with mean, that. there's a lot of ways to terrorize people and kill people. Totally, and, and a lot of them have no security whatsoever. Right. I mean, why would you atta- try to go through a hard target? Yeah, I mean, you know, just hijack a uh, tanker truck or something like that and run it into the side of the building. 
Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there's, all, there's all kinds of things that could be done. And Timothy McVeigh blew up a whole freaking building with, with, with a rider a, truck with and a some fertilizer. Truck. Yeah, and I think that... You didn't even need 13 guys. Yeah, it's security theater. They're just yeah. putting it there because Americans see it, and they, some of them feel more secure. Right, and then they crank it up. So they put it there, which is what they did years ago, and it's ever since been getting more and more absurd and more and more time-consuming, and now it's getting even worse. Now you have to pack neatly, or otherwise our masters will be upset with you. And, you know, it's just about, it, it seems to be about giving bureaucrats jobs. Sure. It's, you know, like Nick said, it's, it's security theater. It's not actually keeping you safe. If it was keeping you safe, they'd catch more than half of the knives, guns, and bomb parts that go through there. Some of those traveling may not be familiar with security checkpoint rules. Uh, one of the bureaucrats, spokes, uh, spokes bureaucrats, says this is one of the holidays where you're dealing with the less savvy traveler. Uh, the, the you know because it's just people that travel maybe on a once a year basis are going to travel tomorrow as opposed to business people that are going all the time. Right, and we've n- we've never seen numbers about a, a domestic travel um, and how much it's decreased since 9/11. You're right, we haven't. But we have seen international travel, and it's down 20%. 20%. If you can imagine a business being able to take that kind of hit, um, 20% Uh, of the people are not coming to America anymore. And it's not because they're scared of terrorists, Well, now, wait a minute. It's because they're scared of customs, and they're scared of the TSA. There's a better statistic, though, Mark. That was 20%. uh, That was a 20% reduction I think up until 2006, mm-hmm. so between two, between September 11th and 2006, international travel dropped by by around 20%. But they did a survey in 2006 of uh, international travelers who did come here. So of those travelers who did choose to come to America for either business or pleasure and inevitably hit customs and were harassed and treated like dirt, 33% of those said they will never come back. Yeah. So, you've already lost that 20%. 33% of those who travel are actually coming. Right. Of the ones who are still coming have now said, "Screw this. We'll have a meeting in Australia instead." Or something like that. Well, with in, included in the 20% number are people who have never come to America before and we're still, you know, sort of the land of the free to them. So they're coming for that reason. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain amount of people, 33% won't come back assuming that they're saying they're stating the truth. A certain amount of them are not. Um, but all, there's also a certain amount that will ref- refresh them as first-time visitors. Well, that much is true, but and, less oh, and less yeah, every year. Less and less every year. The neat and ti- uh, let's see the neat and tidy exhortation dubbed simplify. Uh, oh wait, no, it's simplify. S i m p l i f l y, all capitalized at the end there. Yeah, well, uh, you know, with a with a last uh, word like fly, you could put a little rap song to it. By the TSA is the latest effort to prepare people for a holiday travel period likely to draw record crowds into jam-packed airplanes. The busiest travel days this week will be the day before Thanksgiving, that would be tomorrow, and the Sunday and the Monday after the holiday, when airlines expect more than 2.5 million travelers per day. As airports urge travelers to arrive extra early and the government creates new airplane routes, the TSA is pointing out that neater packing can expedite checkpoint lines. They suggest the carry-on bag be packed with clothes folded, electronic devices organized, and, don't forget, have your wires coiled. You don't want a wire stipping, uh, sticking out of your bag or they might just shoot you in the back of the head as you're walking down the, uh, the jetway. later. If you eliminate clutter, it helps us get a cleaner look at the contents of a bag on a checkpoint x-ray machine, says Hal. The faster that screeners can figure out what's inside a bag, the quicker they can clear it. So, you know, yabbity yabbity, yeah, it goes on. It's just a uh, essentially encourage you to pack neatly. Oh, they even have a little video. 
There you go. The, the TSA has, it's, it's not a rap song, Mark, but they do have a... 60s, I can't imagine how much they paid for this video. 60-second video in which a female narrator advises travelers, think layers, one layer of clothes, one layer of electronics. The video will be played on checkpoint screens that broadcast security announcements. Isn't that nice? You're killing me. 1-800-259-9231. It's a friendlier version of fascism, but fascism nonetheless. Hour three's on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. Hey, speaking of security state, well, they have the talking cameras over in Great Britain. And we'd said it wasn't going to be long before they came here to America. No, no. Guess what? They've arrived, and it's in the weirdest of places. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are for free, so enjoy those on us as we launch an hour number three of the program. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Let's start things out by going to the phones. Hey, into the fun, talk to John in New Hampshire. John, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hello, John. John, are you there? Sounds nope. like he put his phone down maybe during the news. Let's put John back on hold and try Jeremy in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hey, Jeremy. Jeremy Montana going once. Jeremy in Montana going twice. Well, maybe we'll try them both later. Anyway, in the meantime, we'll tell you about the new talking camera that you'll be experiencing if you live in Stewart, Florida. Uh, apparently, uh, they're going to be placing them in one of the, uh, well, an unusual ca- uh, location that you might not have necessarily thought of. I'm wondering what in Stewart, Florida is worth putting a talking camera in front of. Now, before we continue, before I tell you the story here from the Palm Beach Post... Let's uh, recap what has gone on over in the United Kingdom. As I understand it, a number of their cameras there have been outfitted with uh, talkie speakers. Mm -hmm. And essentially, there's a bureaucrat of some sort that's operating the camera facility. And if he or she, for instance, notices you, I don't know, leave a can of soda on the park bench or something like that as you get up to walk away, they'll say, Oi! Yeah, what? Yeah, pick up your can of soda. You shan't leave that there. And then, you know, they're, they're, they're heckling people, essentially, for doing, uh, you know, little things like that. Okay. And I guess, supposedly, they'd also stop someone if there were a real crime being committed, or they would try to, you know, if someone was... Hey, stop. Yeah. Don't you move. You're under arrest. <laughs> Don't you move a muscle, <laughs> mister. I mean, it's bad enough that there are cameras everywhere watching us now, but now they have they're... to add insult to injury and add, you know, Heckless. some... Some busybody bureaucrat to heckle you when you're doing something they don't necessarily like. Well, now we go to Stewart, Florida, and I said, I told you, this is what happens. See, bureaucracies and governments, they share bad ideas. So when one government comes out with a tyrannical uh, idea, inevitably other governments will say, yeah, why didn't we think of that first? Let's add that to our list of laws. Well, in Stewart, the big uh, booming voice Martin County beachgoers might hear next year along the uh, sandy shores will not be coming from the heavens. It may be Martin County officials trying to scare off people looking for... Gay sex. Sex on the beach. Doesn't say gay sex, just sex on the beach. I just figured. The county is exploring the idea of installing talking cameras at several of the public beaches in order to ward off or catch people engaged in public sex. 
Commission Chairman Michael DeTillerizzi says, I'm all for it. He first proposed putting webcams at beaches after several recent arrests of men soliciting men for sex at county beaches. Anything that deters that kind of activity is going to be good. And what's, I mean, are they actually having the sex on the beach? Yeah, but they, you know, it happens. It's usually yes. at night, though, right, when these things happen? Pretty much, but I mean, people go for strolls on the beach at night. It's, you know, it's still a park and well, still open in some Yeah, I, I think the uh, the fact that these are men soliciting men might have a bit more to do with the you amount that, of vigor they're so? putting in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it has something to do with how much they're putting into this. Flashcam devices sense motion and then flash a bright light, says uh, one of the assistants to the county administrator. After being activated, the cameras issue a pre-recorded verbal warning to let people know they're under surveillance, Graham said. Sixty seconds later, they start recording. The cameras, which the California company of Q-Star Technology makes, are solar-powered and be connected to light poles or even trees along the shores. In July, a sheriff's office, caught, uh, sheriff's office sting caught six men at two county beaches on charges of either exposing themselves to undercover officers or soliciting them for sex. Last weekend, a Martin County teacher was arrested and charged with exposing himself to an undercover deputy. Um, with these cameras that are going to announce their, uh, that they're recording you... You are under surveillance. It, I'm just wondering... The, the the people that were arrested wouldn't they weren't told that they were being recorded they were just caught somehow right it was a sting sting operation okay so they caught them in a sting they didn't catch them with with any cameras right with people so I'm thinking that uh, how much would you imagine one of these cameras costs uh five thousand five hundred dollars each okay and uh, how many BBs do you think it can take BBs BBs oh little, like BB gun little copper I don't know. Of metal. One, well Two, placed. three, yeah. If you hit the lens, you're, yeah. yeah, it's done for. Or a hammer. Um, BBs make very little noise. BB guns make very little noise. I can just mm-hmm. imagine if if these guys want to go through the trouble of going to a beach to solicit sex from each other or whomever or whatever, yeah. um, that they would it, it wouldn't bother them too much to drop off at uh, Walmart to pick up a forty dollar, um, you know, BB gun with a CO two ca- uh, canister and take care of the offending camera. So. They're going to stop saying you are being recorded, and it's just silent recordings at that point. And uh, you know, th- now we're into total big brotherness. It's yeah, it's right. It's just going to ratchet up. It's just going to get worse. The call for surveillance comes after ha- several high-profile arrests and national, uh, excuse me, statewide and nationally involving elected officials soliciting sex in bathrooms. So it's because that one Republican senator got caught, or rep- representative. Larry Craig got caught. That's the reason why this needs to happen, apparently. The commissioner says he wants cameras watching everywhere, on the beaches and parking lots, but not in public bathrooms, because that would be an invasion of privacy. <laughs> so, the, you know, gay sex is I just going to I would agree with him that, um, it is that, that, yes, if you're out in public, you, can, uh, that you can't complain too much about being recorded. But sure. if you're being recorded by the government, then I have to pay for it. I'm not sure I want to pay for it. Yeah. That's the problem. Well, and the issue with with public sex is the idea of indecent exposure, forcing other people to look at that. And uh, if this is at night on a beach, and I don't know how frequent the beach is... Most beaches are closed at night. Yeah, shouldn't they address the issue if it comes up where somebody actually reports that, hey, there are two guys over there, you know, doing it? I'm sure they've they've reported that. Well, I'm sure they'll do that, but what's the need to go and... 
try to look for people in the places where... The need is where a surveillance would, state. That's right, what the need but, is. But if other people aren't going to actually even see it or be aware of it, is it a real problem or are they just doing this because it's a good political move? Yeah, it's, I think it's the latter. You know, this is a good excuse to install cameras everywhere. And as he said, he wants them watching everywhere except inside the bathrooms. Los Angeles officials are using the talking cameras around their city to catch graffiti vandals, according to one of their spokes bureaucrats. They say it serves as a very good deterrent, and that's the key, really. The cameras cost five, uh, $5,500 each. City hopes to make a rep- uh, recommendation here within the next couple of weeks. The uh, Let's see, one of their directors questioned whether public sex crimes or other types of crimes at beaches are frequent enough in order to spend money on buying and maintaining the cameras. She says the solution might be more expensive than the crime. Well, of course. Nobody's actually being harmed by someone having a little sex on the beach. It may be tacky. It may be something that people should consider taking indoors. But then again, this is the problem when it comes to having public property. If you have community-owned property, then everybody feels like they own a piece of it and can do what they want with it. Of course, it's not really true. Only the government really owns it, and only the government can make those decisions. But nonetheless, people feel as though they're entitled to it. And because it's the public, because it's public property, all decisions have to be made through this bureaucratic process. Usually, it's done arbitrarily. Uh, usually, it's done, you know, without really assessing the costs and the benefits. Right. And but let's uh, vote on this. It seems like a good idea. Right. If it's a if if all beaches were private, then this wouldn't be an issue. Some beaches would allow nudity. Some wouldn't. Some would allow pets. Some wouldn't. Some beaches would allow gay sex, and some wouldn't. Yeah. And we wouldn't have the we wouldn't even be talking about this. So really, that's the solution. Of course, then again, somebody's going to say, "What? You want all beaches to be private? Then all the beach owners are just going to shut all the regular people out because they're going to want to keep it all to themselves. That's valuable property, and you don't want to allow the public on there." If it's valuable property, then in fact, people would uh, you know support the the beach itself. Right, like any other organization they like to support or business or service that they like to purchase. I, I mean, have you ever been to the beach during season? It's crazy. There's, it's right. so busy. There's such a high demand. It's so bad, usually, in Florida, where we come from, Mark. We come from uh, Sarasota, Florida, where mm-hmm. uh, there's Siesta Key, one of the most popular beaches, I think, in, in, in America. America. And you can't find a parking space. No. There's... there's I mean, it's it's in such high demand that the government can't supply enough parking spaces. So if actually it were a market, uh, if it were market oriented and owned by some private organization, then they'd be able to expand as necessary in order to uh, supply the demand. And even in the worst case scenario, uh, if if the beach was all converted to private property, there would still be hotels out there, and those hotels would still choose to um, allow people to, you know, from the outside to come and and you know some use their would. beach. Some, some would, and some, some wouldn't. wouldn't. Some hotels uh, want a private beach, but that's, that's a worst case scenario. I yeah. don't think that would happen. I think there would still be some beaches open to the public. More on the way, you take control of the airwaves. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there for free. So enjoy them on us, including live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both of them waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. Wow and amaze your techie friends with the new Zero Blaster. It shoots smoke rings 12 feet, and they are the perfect gift for anyone who likes neat stuff. Get your blaster at ZeroToys.com. That's ZeroToys.com. 
800-259-9231. So the camera situation continues to get worse. We've got them... Uh, we've got them at traffic intersections. We've got them now at, uh, of course, I mean, every government building has them, it seems. Uh, also, now they're going to be on beaches in Florida, <laughs> or at least in Stewart, Florida. That's where it's going to start. The excuse is that there's too many guys meeting to have sex on the beach, and we need to cat. We need to catch him in the act or something. Something. Like that. Anyway, that's the excuse they're going to use. Thank and of course, God that's not my job. We know that uh, th- there have already been proposals. Uh, Chicago, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, New York City, they, they're installing cameras as we speak. Chicago, for instance, wants to link in private cameras into some sort of government network. They want to make it so that if you own a business in the city of Chicago and you have a uh, video camera, and you might be mandated to have one here, I'm not sure, but they want to make it so you have to link your camera into their little government monitoring system. That's what they're talking about doing. And so it just keeps getting worse. They're talking about, let's see, what else? Uh, The cameras all over the street, cameras on the beach. Where is it the cameras aren't now? Homes? Inside homes. Yeah. That's the next step. See, the the Houston police chief has already proposed the idea of cameras inside inside the homes of certain criminals. Yeah. So first, they're going to come for the criminals. Now we already yeah we already incarcerate more people um, in America than they do in any other nation in the world per capita, and actually any other nation. Period. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter the size of that nation. Um, so we have that means that we have more ex-convicts and more, you know, quote-unquote criminals out there. So lots of people from, um, you know, in in whose houses we can put these things. They can put one in my house. They can say, this guy's dangerous. He's a convicted killer. We need to watch him. And they have no one to stand up for them. I mean, except for us on Free Talk Live. Right. And who and, else in the world of talk radio? Who cares what we're saying? <laughs> or television opinion shows? Who else in the in those uh, those arenas is going to stand up for the rights of those who have been convicted of, of crimes in the past? Nobody is. It's politically unfeasible to do something like that. It's the right thing to do, but that doesn't mean anyone's going to do it. It's, right. It's they're right a minority, to stand up for their and you know, for whatever reason, they're a minority that that people find it okay to put upon, and, and the politicians aren't really interested in small minorities. They're interested in large majorities because right. people are voted in. So first it's going to be the uh, the convicted criminals, those who, they're going to go, th- probably the sex offenders first, right, because they're the, the worst of the worst when it comes to criminals. And they're, they're the least easy, popular. Right, they're easy to target. Nobody and nobody comes to the defense of sex offenders, so they'll put cameras in their houses first. Then it'll expand to, you know, drug dealers, because we've got to make, you know, keep an eye on those guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, murderers, they could... They could commit the crime again. They're statistically uh, less likely to uh, commit again than almost any than any other. But crime there's a there. chance, Mark, and if there's a chance, we need a camera in every room of their house. First, it, it'll be one camera, then it'll be a camera in every room because they could get away with something in the bathroom. And you know, privacy be damned, you're a criminal. You're you're statistically more likely to be harmed by somebody you know than by a convicted uh, anything. It's a good point. By a felon. Especially when it comes to uh, child right. If you're afraid of being uh, killed or your kid's being killed or, or whatever, you look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. That's the person who's um, statistically far more likely to hurt your child than me, a convicted felon. Yeah. So that's where it's going. Uh, you think we're being a little bit out of control. You think we're maybe, uh, I don't know, exaggerating a little bit. Maybe. Maybe. But then again, who would have thought it would have come to this? Cameras on the beach? 
1-800-259-9231. Your thoughts on how far it's going to go. In the meantime, you can bring up anything. We're going to try John in New Hampshire again. John, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hi, guys. Sorry hey. about that delay. I was preparing food for Thanksgiving. Hey, no problem, man. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, you mentioned that there's some uh, things going on in New Hampshire where people are acting like family, and we truly are as free staters. That's right. Even, even as a fellow who's on a bordering state, I'm going to visit my uh, blood family. Mm-hmm. But before that, there's a couple of things that are you know well known. There's a, a free state uh, Thanksgiving dinner. There's a free state uh, uh, Thanksgiving West. There's some yes. things going on that people know about. There's other groups like uh, myself and other free staters that are not posted on the forums or anything where we're going to get together for breakfast before I even head out of state. Oh, that's lovely. Be back into state and hopefully, you know, zigzag around and see some people. Very cool. Yeah, you're right in pointing out that there's more than one dinner. This is a guy who who actually has blood family here, and I prefer to be with, not prefer, I prefer to share my time with all of my family and, and everybody who's moved here. Is family. It's such a great group of people. I mean, I never get tired. We, we've now got uh, weekly meetings where people just get together and they hang out. They're just social get-togethers. And, uh, I mean, I can just spend hours just t- sitting there and, and talking with these people. They're, they're such a, a wonderful, friendly group. Uh, Better I than imagine... hanging around with your mom? I'm sorry? Better than hanging around with your mom. Yeah, I don't like, uh, I don't like being around her. Because, She's... because of the conversation, and I'm sure you love yeah. your mom and all that, but the conversation is along lines that everybody can feel very comfortable with each other. You know, my mom mentioned recently something along the lines of, you know, the cops ought to shoot people a little quicker Whoa. or somebody escaped. You know, that's kind of uncomfortable to be talking about yeah. over a Thanksgiving dinner. It's nice to be at, you know, sit down. It's better for your digestive system to be at a, at a level where you're with friends and among people that are, that are comfortable and talking about the same things and, and peaceful and Oh, it's so beautiful. Yep, it really is. So it sounds like you're going to be making the rounds on uh, Thursday, huh? You're going to be going. The the worst part of Thanksgiving will be uh, traveling in the car, but it'll be so worth it. But that's not even what I called about. Uh, You mentioned earlier about the the smoking issue and how you weren't happy with what the Cancer Society does, however they work. Uh, I told you a couple months ago that I was, you know, struggling with uh, some... uh, medical issues and unrelated, uh, so I go and have some tests, and it turns out that I got high sugar and high cholesterol and all that, and, mm. and they you know, immediately want to give me a prescription, and I wasn't crazy about that. I said, you know what? I'm not taking that. I'm going to do a, address this with uh, uh, diet and exercise and this sort of thing. But I also want to learn about this, and uh, one of the uh, things that comes up is the, the woman, the diabetes educator, tells me that I can get a discount if I join uh, the American Association of Diabetes or whatever the hell it's called, um, but I won't join that because the, in in that it tells me they will lobby on my behalf. Mm. I don't need anybody lobbying on my behalf. Not interested in being lobbied for. Thank you. Two other points. Two other points on this. As far as regaining my health, um, I've been practicing yoga on a very minor level, mm-hmm. personally, at home, with a videotape. Can you, can you, uh, John, before you go on, John, before you go on, can you send us that videotape? (laughs) It's not a tape of him, Mark. It's yoga tape. Damn. (laughs) How about, just take some pictures and send them. (laughs) I I may, I may actually do, after I get my Ridley, uh, Ridleyography training, I may actually do, uh, 
I'm actually do a video that has ah, some very cool, very cool. John, we're out of time, my friend. But good luck in your uh, your healing, and uh, hope to see you maybe hey, on, th- uh, on Thanksgiving, Oops. sir. Thank you for Thank the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are for free. Bulletin board system is there with over 300,000 posts. Serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And Carla Howell is the head of the Center for Small Government. Tom Cryer is known as the man who beat the IRS in court. And Bob Schultz is the chairman of the We the People Foundation. All of the above are working to end the income tax. All will be at the Liberty Forum. Where will you be? Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. And if you use the code 2008FTL, all one word, 2008FTL, you'll save 10%. So get signed up. We're going to be there. Hope to see you there as well. Nick, are you making plans? Are you going to be there? I will be there. I have yet to book things. I'm not even sure that I'm staying at the hotel. I know last year I just went for the day and came mm-hmm. back. So I, I might just be making day trips out of it. Do you think uh, Free Minds TV, your television show uh, at freemindstv.com, might be uh, doing a little recording action there? I think we might. That would be fun. Uh, so, again, uh, we're going to be there and look forward to seeing you. Once again, uh, freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. As we go back to the phones and to the fun, Jeremy in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hello, Jeremy. Jeremy in Montana, trying him for the last time. Going once, going twice for Jeremy. All right. 800-259-9231. Let's go to the he's states. Up. I'm sorry? He's, he's there, Jeremy? Jeremy? Yes. Yes, sir. You're Hello? on the air. What's up? Hey, um, I was just wanting to talk about the cigarette issue. I mean... Yeah, go ahead. A little bit about the way they want to tax us, you know, because I'm a cigarette smoker. I mean... Any dummy wants to smoke with a baby in the car, but once that kid grows up to know if they want to smoke or not, you know, then if it's your car and it's your kid in the car, I mean, then under the free state thing, I mean, whose business in it is it anyway, what's going on there? But then they just want to blow it, and it goes right down the line with the conspiracy theorist thing about, you know, like this morning, even on uh, the lamestream media came out with the, uh, lead in women's lipstick, you know, and Hmm. they just keep poisoning us and poisoning us, but oh, don't you dare smoke a cigarette, (laughs) you know, while they're steadily supposed to be in charge of these kinds of things, and we keep finding poison in everything we eat, drink, or ladies put on their face. I think it's funny that, uh, you know, people are so upset about all this, like, oh, no, there's a little bit of spinach that's gone bad, or oh, no, there's... You know, lead in the paint on some Barbie doll or something like that. And really, I mean, we're so much safer today than we've ever been in the past. We're living longer, healthier lives than ever before. I'm not saying to ignore those things, not not at all. But I think that uh, I think they're getting blown a little bit out of proportion. That's just how well, I feel about it. Aspartame and the gum and everything—you can't find 
A natural gum with regular sugar in it. It's all got aspartame. That's not true. There are gums with sugar in them these days. Sure. Sure, there are. And besides, people have been chewing aspartame gum for decades. Where's all the brain tumors? I mean, it's just, it's way blown out of proportion. Uh, I think it is. They, they, they use the lead and everything. That It's been admitted that, you know, it causes attention deficit disorder. and Lead? You know, uh, it makes kids like, dumb, that's for sure. It keeps America asleep, these kind of things, you know, and makes it seem like everything's okay and all that, and they use the aspartame and the lead and everything. I don't want to hear it about a cigarette, you know what I mean? Very good, Jeremy. Thanks for the call, 800-259-9231. So, you know, all these uh, chemicals and stuff that are being used in the products that we eat. Um, I mean, have you ever looked at the side of a box of some sort of processed food it's like it's full you know, of chemicals i don't full know what they stuff you have no idea what that what those things do i would assume they're food grade chemicals well i i have to tell you if you are a smoker you're probably a lot more likely to die from smoking cigarettes than getting cancer from anything in your food i i mean i i had uh someone ask one time um if i worked on a farm and she asked if the produce we sold was organic um i happened to be helping her move mm-hmm. um and she must she must have smoked a pack of Marbos in the six hours that we were helping her move. I mean, I think she was like a two or three pack a day smoker. <laughs> mm. And she's concerned about organic food. Right, and she doesn't yeah. even smoke. I mean, there are organic cigarettes and things you can get, but she's smoking Marlboros. She's sucking vast quantities of tar straight into her lungs. <laughs> mm. And then you worry about, oh, well, yeah. that might be a little bit of lead paint there. Right. You Get know. your priorities yeah, straight. Yeah, I mean, I, I I disagree with the the way they're pushing smoking bans and the direction they're going with that. Um, but by the same token, smoking is still probably a lot more likely to kill you than uh, these little things we hear about that probably aren't really even problems. Yeah, I agree. All right, so um, let's see here. We have enough time, I think, from a sto- for a story from the Statesman Journal about the Postal Service. Yes, you know them, the ones where you have to go and wait in line, and then you have to deal with an unhappy-looking clerk in the, uh, for the most part, and you know, then you cross your fingers and hope that the package actually makes it to its destination, and if it does make it, that it hasn't been mutilated or destroyed. Uh, yeah, the Postal Service, those guys. Why are they so awful anyway? Well, James Montaigne says Congress has taken a tentative step toward bringing the nation's postal services into the 21st century. Unfortunately, the reforms it enacted in 2006 fall conspicuously short of those already adopted by the European Union and other countries. More serious reform is needed. The United States Postal Service is an anachronism. Yale's law and economics scholar George Priest has characterized it as, quote, the most significant example of socialism in the United States, embracing almost all the aspects of socialism rejected in Eastern Europe and in the privatized Western economies, unquote. It employs 30% of the non-military federal workforce, pays wages and benefits 30% above competitive levels, and operates more than 60% of its offices at a loss. The Postal Service has survived despite high costs, bland offerings, and comparatively middling service by exploiting its two statutory monopolies. First, the carriage of first-class mail and exclusive access to customer-owned mailboxes. Mm. You didn't know that your mailbox was federal property? (laughs) 
it is. That's why it's illegal to put things in it. Right. It's my box. I bought it at Home Depot. I put it up. It was my sweat and my money that went into it. Mm-hmm. And somehow or another, the post office can claim that they're the only ones that can put things in that box. I can't tell a friend of mine, oh, just leave the keys in the mailbox or whatever, um, or drop that note by and just put yeah. it in my mailbox. If the Federal Express comes and they've got something that could fit in the mailbox, they can't leave it in there. Right. It's my box. It's for Not when you put it in the ground. For me. When, it put, when you put it in by the curb, it's their box, apparently. Apparently. Despite this economic leverage, its continued survival is being threatened by the Internet, which enables better, faster, and less costly alternatives to first-class mail. As a result, mail volume is declining and at a faster pace than was predicted only a few years ago. Yay! That's good news. Uh, this matters because first-class mail is the Postal Service's cash cow. The General Accounting Office now warns that comprehensive postal reform is urgently needed to minimize the risk of a significant taxpayer bailout or dramatic postal rate increases. Congress appears to have taken only minimal notice. The Postal Accountability and Enforcement Act of 2006 addresses the impending crisis merely by allowing the Postal Service to adjust prices more quickly and to close unprofitable post offices. The act contemplates no bold measures such as privatizing the Postal Service and limiting regulation to the maintenance of minimum service and delivery standards. The European Union, by contrast, has already done both. Huh. Who would have thought that the European socialists would be a little bit ahead of the game when it comes to delivering the mail? The act also doesn't contemplate removing the statutory monopolies which shield the Postal Service against the beneficial discipline of full market competition. Right. If At the very least, any proponent of the Post Office, at the very least, they should concede that I should be able to open up a competing service to the Post Office. I should be able to say, uh, I'm going to carry your letter for... 40 cents or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get it to its location. Now, would Guaranteed. it be, would it be ec- economically feasible? I don't know. It would probably take some organization like UPS or FedEx to do such a thing, but there's no reason in the world why they should be protected by law from you know, this kind of competition. But they are, and they have been for decades, ever since they shut down Lysander Spooner's competition in the, that's, I think, that's late why 1800s. They are, they are the, the poster child for inefficiency. More about privatizing the Postal Service or doing something to just make it a little bit more market-based. More on the way, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call if you make it right now. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free. If you like the show, then go shopping at the Free Talk Live store. Maybe you'd like to have a Free Talk Live hoodie to keep you warm this coming holiday season. Good opportunity to purchase one. High-quality merchandise like the hoodie and T-shirts and a variety of hats as well. We've also got the Free Talk Live bottle opener uh, lighter combo believe it or not. Neat little gizmo. Uh, also, the Free Marketeer flag and t-shirt. You'll find DVD Classic Archive collector sets and more all at store.freetalklive.com. That is store.freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. A few more thoughts on the Postal Service situation, and we'll get to your phone calls here. Uh, the stories from the Statesman Journal dot or statesmanjournal.com talking about how the reason why the postal service is even alive today is because it has monopoly protection 
Now, you think that you think when you walk into the Postal Service that that's not true because, you know, you can go to FedEx or UPS and you can get uh, two-day delivery and you can get ground service and you can get sh- packages shipped and the post office ships packages too. But the area they have protection from the government in is first-class mail. They have another sort of um, monopoly on uh, their post office boxes. I have a uh, box that's at a UPS store. Okay. Um, now I don't know what the percentages of people that own po- that have post office boxes versus uh, boxes at you know stores like UPS and that kind of thing, but I can receive FedEx pa- packages, DHL packages, UPS packages, at post the private office, mailbox, uh, post office packages, um, you know uh, USPS packages, all to, at my private mailbox. Yes, but at my post office box, which is you know not exactly the private, um, you can't get UPS, nope. you can't get DHL, DHL, you How can't get FedEx. How is that a FedEx. monopoly? Well, they monopolize the the box. They they don't, don't allow other, their competitors to deliver to their box. Oh, I see what you I mean. I can buy a box from their competitors where everybody can deliver to. Right. I, bought, I don't know I if that's really a, yeah. that's just ex, they're just excluding it, that's not their a competition. Real mono, that's not a real monopoly, but in, you know, in, it's just poor customer service. Oh, of course. And yeah. you know, that's what they're known for. <laughs> exactly. And and again, their customer service is shoddy. They lose packages. They I think get they're better damaged. than they were 30 years ago because they have a little competition. Yeah. And and what this article is saying here, James Montagne at uh, the Statesman Journal, he's saying that the postal service would behave better if they were subject to total competition. Absolutely. They, there's competition in the area of package service, but there's not in the area of first class mail. That's just sending an envelope or a postcard through the mail. Only the postal service, by law, can do that. UPS cannot offer you that service. They can send a, a, an envelope. They just have to charge you over a dollar to do it. Most of the mail I get in my mailbox is junk anyway. I mean, really what they are is yes. an advertising um, organization that uh, that we subsidize the rates on. I mean, You're it's right. American-subsidized rates. We have to pay for this post office to keep it in the black because most of them run in the red. So someone can send you a sales flyer. Yep. Yeah, and those sales flyers are bought at, at way discount. Bulk, bulk rates. Bulk mm-hmm. rate. yeah. yeah. So on a more encouraging note, the Act, this is the Postal Accountability Enforcement Act, directs the Postal Regulatory Commission to undertake a variety of studies that conceivably represent a prelude to future legislative reform. This work to be completed in just over a year almost certainly will be evaluated by a Democrat-controlled Congress, whose reform sensibilities differ from those of the Republican Congress, not by much, though, I don't imagine, which passed the underlying legislation. Rapidly changing market conditions nevertheless require that comprehensive and timely reform be enacted. Doing so would be prudent under any circumstances. The ongoing lesson from the telecommunications industry teaches that comprehensive reform is fraught with political pitfalls. Competing factions battle fiercely to shape legislative and regulatory outcomes in ways that benefit private interests at public expense. Where successful, the ineluctable result is a lawyer-driven industry hamstrung by administrative and judicial mischief. Equally concerning is the willingness of legislators and regulators to sustain moribund firms by imposing arbitrary restrictions, obligations, and taxes in order to fetter more efficient technologies and suppliers. The Postal Service's annual revenue at $60 billion is sufficiently large to attract predatory political interest. Ancillary taxation possibilities loom large. For example, all of today's electronic messaging are arguably violates the private express statutes whose prohibitions and draconian penalties have evolved to shield first-class mail against competition in all forms. Funding some sort of universal postal service through tax on electronic messaging will become a legislative temptation that must be resisted. Do you understand what he just said there? He's talking about a possible email tax. He's suggesting that, oh. that email may be a violation of the private express statutes 
as a com- competition to the postal service. I thought he was and, talking about text messages, but okay. And therefore, uh, it could be subject. I suppose text messaging could could be also be considered violation. He says uh, the postal service is an artifact from a time when Congress sought practical means for binding the nation together. Broadcasting, telephony, the internet, and large scale package delivery now uh, firms now obviate the need for a quasi governmental postal authority operating under statutory monopoly protection. Congress must be encouraged to abjure postal monopolies and to privatize the postal service. And I completely agree. I I, I don't I don't uh, think that we necessarily have to privatize the postal um, service. I would prefer that we just got shut shut it down, sell the buildings, um, you know, have those people go work for real companies. Um, but you know, what we could do to make a, uh, a better transition for people is just legalize competition. Yeah, just do away with the two laws that allow the post office to have monopolies. Yes, I uh, completely agree with that. That would go a long way to getting people a real chance to to send things at lower and lower rates instead of ever-increasing rates. I mean, that's what the marketplace does. That's what competition does in the marketplace. It it makes it so products and services are more available and generally more affordable and better than they were the year before. Not Not so with the Postal Service. It just keeps getting more and more expensive every single year. And it shouldn't necessarily be that way. Your thoughts on that? We go to the phones. You can bring up anything. Let's talk to Kevin in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Kevin's hey, Kevin. Off. Kevin's gone. We've got. Uh, he's gone. All right. So one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Nick, uh, any thoughts on the postal monopoly? Well, obviously, I think it it's time that it goes away, and just simply by legalizing competition, I think you ensure the end of the postal service. It's true, though there are there is that looming factor of the uh, the postal services pension fund i mean we already mentioned how many governmental employees are employed by the postal service more than the military i mean there's a that's a huge number of bureaucrats that's currently employed that means there's a whole bunch of postal bureaucrats that are currently getting pensions that even if the postal service goes under will arguably by at least the federal standards still have to be paid out um probably those who have you know their wages have been based on that yeah i i but you, we still get better mail service if That's we do true. that. And, it would certainly be a preferable situation. I'm not sure if it would be legal to just completely cut the, what any resources devoted to the Postal Service off, tell them they're their own corporation now, mm-hmm. and just let that, you know, if you want your pensions, run this to stay in business. Right. And it's all you. The problem with that is the, the post office is constitutional, and what it would take to get rid of a constitutional organization would be a, an amendment. No, it, the, it, I don't think there's necessarily any duty to have it just because we can. No, I think that the duty, it actually says that there will be one. So there's that a duty shall to have provide it. or whatever, shall yeah. provide a postal service. I, I've got to, I'd have to look it up, and certainly I wasn't expecting uh, you to make that statement. But um, I, I'm pretty sure the post office – you see, the thing is, is – we just need to – they'll never be able to compete in the marketplace, so people will cease to use them. They'll just get more and more inefficient. Now, you um, you could well, say – Well, if they've been totally cut You could cut say, loose. look, you have, to, you have to run in the black, and we're not going to give you any money, which would then you know, cause the post office to you – know, they'd begin to shake and the whole organization would begin to shake and then fall um, – it, you you right. know, it doesn't have to be a big post well, office. It just has to be a post well, office. Well, yeah, it says there has to be a post office. There could be one office in Washington, D.C. Yeah, true. It, it doesn't say it has to be well, an adequate post office. They just need to charge rates that they can afford to deliver packages with, because currently they're not. They're, you know, they, they should be higher. Right, but you still have it tight. Ideally, I mean, if they legalize competition, that's a great step forward. 
but ideally their government wouldn't be in the job of delivering mail. I would agree that, ide- that ideally the government shouldn't be in that, um, in that role, but our constitution, uh, imperfect as, as it is, is in you well, know, if you cut them, if you cut them free from the uh, the regulatory pr- uh, protection, the monopoly privilege that they've been granted, then then they're mono- they're operating in the marketplace and let what happens happen. Uh, the and again, it says I don't to think establish post offices and post roads. Yeah, well, I mean that doesn't mean anything. They'll have the What's pa- a post I think office. Well, have... you're, you're being awfully flippant with this constitution here. No, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't say, say what it is. Or does it say? To shall have the establish. Pow- shall have the power to. Just because you can doesn't mean you must. It says they're supposed to establish them. It doesn't say they shall have the power to. It says they shall establish them. You're right. That's the co- the powers of Congress to establish post offices and post roads. It's right. a power. It's not a mandate. But look, if the Constitution says we should have it, we should change the Constitution say to say else, that we... Though. All it says is they'll just have a post office. Then like let's Nick have said. an amendment. They could have the post office, Look, and this that is, would be it. This is how we got in the problem in the, um, in the first place. This is how the government got so big, is people being flippant with the portions of the Constitution they don't like. Well, 1-800-259-9231 is the number you can call us tomorrow night, because we're done for now. I know somebody was calling in with a comment on this. Fortunately, we don't have time. We'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.